enormous box, a box of chocolates Would I know to stay away? What's that? Pandora's box, a box of chocolates Would I eat them anyway? Cause every time I have half a mind to leave you It's Pandora's Lunchbox on WCBN FM Ann Arbor. Good evening, this is Mike. Pandora's Lunchbox is a show about food and tends to be pretty much every Thursday at 6.30. It's the first day of summer. Yes! And it's a time for not thinking very hard. And so I've come up with a show that I think is appropriate. This show is about tomatoes, which are real taste, real taste good summer in the, and about ice cream, which tastes real good in the summer. And maybe we'll have a recipe for tomato ice cream later on, which that sounds good right now, I'll tell you. It's hot as the Dickens in the WCBN studios right now, but never mind Dickens for now. Let's talk about Lewis Carroll. Lewis Carroll wrote a poem called The Hunting of the Snark this weekend at the Dreamland Theater in Ypsilanti on Washington Street, just off from Michigan Avenue, is a marionette performance of Lewis Carroll's whimsical poem, and it's going to have music provided by the folks at Dreamland Theater. And this is a tune, we're going to play this for you real quick. For those who might want to know about what it would be like if the snark turned out to be a boojum, well, it, you might find information, something to this effect, with a piano. If your snark be a snark that is right, fetch it home by all means, you may serve it with greens. Striking a light You may seek it with thimbles And seek it with care You may hunt it with forks and hope You may threaten its life With a railway share You may charm it with smiles and soap But oh, Beamish Nephew If that isn't perfectly clear, then you need to go down to the Dreamland Theater and find out more about it. That's all about The Hunting of the Snark. Lewis Carroll wrote the poem, The Hunting of the Snark. That's an excerpt from it with music provided by the folks at Dreamland Theater. That's an Ypsilanti, and they're going to have performances of The Hunting of the Snark, a family-friendly marionette show, on 3.30 on 3.30 p.m. 
this Saturday and also at 3.30 p.m. on Sunday at the Dreamline Theater, Ypsilanti, on on Washington Street near Michigan Avenue. If you were at the old place, it's at a new place. Dreamland Theater. So today I'm thinking that this is a good time to ruminate on subjects of truth and tomatoes and ice cream. So first of all, I wanted to tell you that when I went to Omaha, Nebraska recently, that's where my folks live, went to a place that served their own ice cream, Ted and Wally's ice cream. They make their own. And they had this old, old sign, probably from the 20s, 30s, 40s, such on Franklin ice cream. Now, I'm not familiar with Franklin ice cream, but like all artifacts, this allows us to know what it was like to have Franklin ice cream. says here, a full full page full of characteristics of Franklin ice cream that you will want to know. First of all, from infancy to old age, the best food. Okay, check this out. A regular helping of ice cream equals three mutton chops in food value. Yeah. Ice cream is wonderful for giving children. Okay, that's good. Eat ice cream for health. Mm-hmm. Ice cream is a meal in itself. Well, yeah. Ice cream is easily digested. Okay. Ice cream nourishes but does not fatten. Okay. Our ice cream is 100% pure. Okay. And finally, athletes train on ice cream. Athletes train on ice cream. This is true. This is great. It's so funny. I don't know if these people were aware that they were flat out lying I think we need lies like this now, today. We need lies like this right now. Hold on. I think we've already got them in government. I'm not going to go there. But Franklin ice cream. Now you know. A regular helping of ice cream equals three mutton chops in food value. This is exciting. And this made me want to pursue more ice cream information and, and the full meaning of ice cream. Now this is something from the Associated Press last week. It goes like this. It served as the drop-off point for millions of tons of garbage and other smelly refuse until it was closed in 2001. Now Staten Island's old Fresh Kills landfill is being immortalized with an ice cream flavor, but it's not sitting well with at least one local official. The ice cream is being marketed by a New York company as Staten Island Landfill, and it's packed not with trash, but with brownie chunks, cherries, heart-shaped chocolate crunchies, and fudge. It may sound good, but Bronx Borough President James Molinaro says it's spoiling his appetite, and he's calling on New Yorkers to boycott the flavor. I've never tried to boycott a flavor before. Wow. Five Boroughs Ice Cream is also the maker of such frozen concoctions as South Bronx Cha-Cha Chocolate, and I have... Here we go. Uh, Soho Cappuccino, and Upper East Side Rich White Vanilla. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I think that calls for a poem, don't you? Here's uh, Jonathan Richman. Hello, everyone. It's time for poetry. I submit to you the following. It's entitled, I Eat With Gusto, Damn, You Bet, by one Jonathan Richmond. When I eat like I do it, I use not fork nor spoon, no grace nor culture to it, when I call my own tune. For I eat with gusto, damn you bet, a regular canine cruncher. Except, truth be told, I'm sloppier yet than many a dog food muncher. I eat a pound, I eat a ton, and no, there ain't much I cuts up. And while I'm having merry fun, bystanders puke their guts up. The FBI sent someone by who handles health affairs. 
I had not finished my cream pie when he chanced up the stairs. Why did he turn the other way? Why did he leave so quick? Will he come back another day? Did something make him sick? I eat with gusto. Damn, you bet. A regular doggy diner. No, don't bring me napkins, waiter, sir. Just bring some trash can liner. Whilst wandering by a juice bar, I spied a tempting beverage. Since I would have been last in line, I used my fearsome leverage. For in my pocket was some food which I took from its wrapper. The patrons watched it being chewed and of course headed for the crapper. For I eat with gusto, damn you bet. For gusto, I'm the boss. For yay, my nose it is in the salad, and lo, my chin it is in the sauce. I eat with gusto, damn you bet, we're sailing round the cape. Kill all him, said the bosun, there must be no escape. One sunny day in Paris, an elegant cafe. A phone call there, a phone call here, and the gendarmes took me away. I said, uh, me qu'est-ce qui se I said, uh, me qu'est-ce say? They said, such eating, it is criminel. In crime, it does not pay. For I eat with gusto, damn you bet. My banner, yea, unfurled. My shirt is covered with mustard and my hair with ketchup curled. Goodbye to Egypt, Greece, and Rome, the ancient world, goodbye. May squalor be my summer home, and filth be my necktie, for I eat with gusto, damn you bet. Oh, and uh, I eat with gusto, damn you bet, my country tis of thee. I eat for social progress, I eat for victory. Somebody died who watched me eat in a restaurant one spell. He woke up and saw me eating beans and knew that he'd gone to hell. For uh, he eats with gusto. Damn, we bet. They're calling from the south. They want to stop my gusto. They want to close my mouth. You eat with gusto, yeah, that's great. Now let us off this bus. Wait a minute, I haven't finished eating up stuff yet. We'll call you, don't call us. Hmm, Jonathan Richmond in the role of God, maybe. That is, I eat with gusto, damn you bet. And that's from the album entitled Jonathan Richmond by Jonathan Richmond. We had some poetry by Lewis Carroll earlier on set to music, so we thought we should bring you some poetry from Jonathan Richmond. And I think he's up there with the greats, definitely. This is Pandora's Lunchbox. It's a show about food and about eating and about general confusion. Now, we were talking about ice cream earlier on, and you should know that ice cream is very profound in some people's lives, especially in Toledo. Last week, this this news item from the Associated Press. A funeral procession in Toledo probably perked up the ears of kids along the route. A woman who drove an ice cream truck was given a send-off yesterday by a line of seven trucks playing their music and blaring their horns. 39-year-old Lisa Eisenhower died suddenly last week. 
Coworkers say for eight years she worked summers for yummy treats, driving a truck through area neighborhoods and loving every minute of it. Eisenhower was fond of children and leaves behind four of her own, ages 9 to 14. People who worked with her have collected hundreds of dollars in donations for the family. So a funeral procession of ice cream trucks, seven ice cream trucks playing their music and blaring their horns. This is last week in Toledo, and that's something that is a beautiful thing. Now, on to things you might put on ice cream, such as strawberries. Well, speaking of the meaning of life and death and strawberries and ice cream and things, there was the Strawberry Festival in Belleville, Michigan, not long ago. I should point out, first of all, that I was in Belleville recently, and there's a place called the Bayou something. Oh, shoot. It's a Bayou something. The Bayou Restaurant. Restaurant Bayou, Bayou Restaurant something. It's got a big old alligator on it with big, mean teeth. Its mouth, its mouths are open <laughs> and, are, and are able to speak. And it's kind of scary. But scarier is that there was a, a Belleville Strawberry Festival, which broke out into violence. This is from the Associated Press. Violence over the weekend has officials in Belleville thinking about canceling the National Strawberry Festival. A mob of about a thousand people stopped traffic, pounded on vehicles, and hurled bottles at police officers as fights erupted throughout this small city in Wayne County. The police police chief said his nine officers and 16 reserves were no match for the troublemakers. He says luckily no one was hurt. The head of the Area Chamber of Commerce says the annual three-day event is a major fundraiser for the city. She hopes it will see its 32nd year. Wow. Strawberry festival violence. It's all very disturbing, but it's all here on Pandora's Lunchbox because it's the first day of summer, and I painstakingly put this show together half an hour before the show, and this is what you need to know. Speaking of ice cream, this is another one. We had earlier the flavors of ice cream that insulted Staten Island. Well, this isn't as spectacular. And we also talked earlier about uh, Ted and Wally's ice cream in Omaha. This is another couple of two famous guys who have an ice cream style place. They're from Vermont, and you know, Something like Bill and Johnny or something like that. I can't remember the name. But they've got a new flavor for Stephen Colbert. You know the Stephen Colbert show, maybe, on the Comedy Central. He has an ice cream now called Americone Dream. And this is a review of that from Adam Findlay from TVSquad.com. If you haven't tried Stephen Colbert's Americone Dream ice cream, it's the most just-okay ice cream you'll ever taste. Your taste buds will be bombarded with a cavalcade of average middle-of-the-road flavor. All right. So that's important to know. Also, though, this is important also on the same website, the news that on July 7th, Colbert will be doing something that Fish has never done. He'll throw the first pitch at a River Dogs baseball game in Charleston, South Carolina, his hometown. He won't be throwing a ball, however. He'll be throwing a pint of AmeriCorps, AmeriCorps, Americone Dream. Jerry Greenfield, who's one of the, who is the Jerry, I'll just say the name, Jerry Greenfield of Ben and Jerry's will catch the pint and hopefully not get knocked out cold in the process but nonetheless that's what's going to happen with that i think this is time for another poem slash song thing this is a very short one this is tomato brain and it's just the way i feel right now it goes something like this look at the field look at the grass look at the man he's sitting on the grass look at the man he's sitting on the grass He's eating a sandwich. It's cheese and tomato. The man is a sandwich. His body's the cheese. His brain's the tomato. His legs are the bread. See him stand up. And fall down again. His legs made of bread. His brain a tomato. 
I said a tomato. His brain a tomato. The pips are his thoughts. The juice is like blood. The juice is like blood. Oh, yes. That was Ivor Cutler. You know, it's a British name. I don't know if Ivor or Ivor is the proper pronunciation. I-V-O-R. I'll say Ivor Cutler and Linda Hurst from the album Privilege, which also contains such tunes as Life in a Scotch Sitting Room, uh, A Donut in My Hand, Creamy Pumpkins, and as I just played for you, Tomato Brain. I have a tomato brain right now. I've got tomato on the brain. What is worth, what is worth, left love of have brain, as you can see, not able to speak. This is a show about food. Now, we need to talk about tomatoes right now, because tomatoes are the perfect summer food, and it's summer, perfectly. Summer started literally about four and a half hours ago, and it's just getting started. So, here's something to, to, that you should know. This is on HowStuffWorks.com. Tomatoes had their day in court, did you know? Is a tomato a fruit or a vegetable or an animal or a mineral? Goes like this. Today, tomatoes are on our highest perch. But in 1893, they had their day in the highest court of the land. Are tomatoes a fruit or a vegetable? Ponder that. And that's exactly what the Supreme Court did beginning on April 24, 1893, when tomatoes were elevated to the highest perch in the land, the United States Supreme Court. Under the Schedule G provisions of the Tariff Act of March 3, 1883, there were tariffs placed on tomatoes imported from the West Indies because they were considered a vegetable, and imported vegetables were subject to tariffs. The case originated on February 4, 1887, when the Nix family sued Edward L. Hedden, tax collector of the Port of New York, to recover back duties collected on their tomatoes. Webster's Dictionary was consulted, along with Worcester's Dictionary and the Imperial Dictionary, for the definitions of fruit and vegetable. The passages from the dictionaries defined fruit as the seed of plants, or that part of plants which contains the seed, and especially the juicy, pulpy products of certain plants covering and containing the seed. Got that? According to the court, these definitions have no tendency to show that tomatoes are fruit as distinguished from vegetables in common speech or within the meaning of the tariff act. Speaking of common speech, what did I just say? The court decision on May 10, 1893 in Nix v. Hedden stated, Botanically, tomatoes are considered a fruit of the vine, just as are cucumbers, squashes, beans, and peas. But in common language of people, whether sellers or consumers of provisions, all these are vegetables which are grown in kitchen gardens, and which, eaten cooked or raw, are like potatoes, carrots, parsnips, turnips, beets, cauliflower, cabbage, celery, and lettuce, usually served at dinner in, with, or after the soup, fish, or meats, which constitute the principal part of the repast. I am not as dignified as to be able to pronounce that, and not like fruits generally as dessert. I'm glad that the Supreme Court has laid down the law on that. There was some controversy over whether they were fruit or vegetable, and I heard words to the effect that actually they were considered a fruit for the cause of saving money on tariffs, and yet the Supreme Court said, ha, these are vegetables, so there. And there's a lot to learn about vegetables. In fact, I have some information here. There's a lot of legends about the tomato. I could tell you tomato stories until my face turned red, but nonetheless... There are many legends of the tomato. This is actually from Wikipedia. It has been claimed that tomatoes were not widely eaten in the U.S. until the late 1800s. It's sometimes been claimed that tomatoes were considered aphrodisiacs and so were shunned by the Puritans. Other claims center on the supposed fear that tomatoes were poisonous based on the fact that they belong to the nightshade family, which contains many toxic plants. 
Many legends also maintain that excuse me. Many legends also maintain that the tomato was introduced into the U.S. from South America by one particular person. Thomas Jefferson is sometimes mentioned. Now I need to go now to Uncle Paul's produce.com because he mentions the alleged non-safety of the tomatoes. He says this throughout Northern Europe they thought that the tomato was poisonous because rich people had plates and flat were made of pewter. The acid in the tomatoes would leach out the lead in the pewter, resulting in lead poisoning and death. Poor people who ate off plates made of wood didn't get sick or die, so tomatoes soon became a poor man's food. Truth or not? Is it as good as mutton chops? You know, I, as I mentioned earlier, uh, ice cream, uh, a serving of ice cream is, is has the uh, nutritional value of three mutton chops. I told you that earlier about Franklin's ice cream. So we know that everything you hear on this show is true. Tomato's status as an aphrodisiac may be due to a mistranslation. Legend has it that a Frenchman on his travels ate a meal with tomatoes in it and was fascinated with the new taste. He went back to the chef, who was Italian, and, a- and asked him what this new ingredient was. The chef said, Palme de Mort... Apple of the Moors is the translation, but the Frenchman misunderstood and thought he was said pomme d'amour, apple of love. The modern Italian word for tomato is pomodoro. And this is the best one. In the United States, the most famous legend of this sort was introduced by Joseph S. Sickler in the mid-1900s and became the subject of a CBS broadcast of You Are There in 1949. The story goes that the lingering doubts about the safety of the tomato were largely put to rest in 1820, when Colonel Robert Gibbon Johnson announced that at noon on September 26th, he would eat a basket of tomatoes in front of the Salem, New Jersey courthouse. It's not a tomato, it's a witch! Reportedly, a crowd of more than 2,000 persons gathered in front of the courthouse to watch the poor man die after eating the poisonous fruits, and were shocked when he lived. In his book, Smith notes that there is little if... Who is Smith? I missed Smith. Who is this Smith? Smith doesn't exist. In his book, Smith notes that there is little, if any, historical evidence for any of these legends, and that they continue to be repeated largely because they are entertaining stories, which is all the more reason to repeat them over and over again. There is a story, for instance, that claims that an agent for Britain attempted to kill General George Washington by feeding him a dish laced with tomatoes during the American Revolution. Wow, that's that's deep. Now, speaking of which, we have this legend of Joseph S. Sickler, which is a, a, a great name. And we have Colonel Robert Gibbon Johnson, who has eaten all the tomatoes and didn't get into trouble at all. I have the deeper story on this from UnclePaulsProduce.com. As the story was told, it was Colonel Johnson who ate those things. His grandstanding attracted a crowd of over 2,000 people who were certain he was committing public suicide. Well, we know that. The local fireman's band even played a mournful song adding to the perceived morbid display of courage. Johnson said the following before consuming the bushel of tomatoes... The time will come when this luscious scarlet apple will form the foundation of a great garden industry and will be eaten and enjoyed as an edible food. And to help speed that enlightened day to prove that it will, stri- that will not strike you dead, I'm going to eat one right now. Colonel Johnson's physician, Dr. James Van Meter, supposedly warned that the foolish colonel will foam and froth at the mouth and double over with appendicitis, and with all that oxalic acid in one dose, he would be dead. Johnson's grandstanding garnered a lot of attention, and North America's love affair with the tomato was off and running. And I'm, I'm, I'm having a love affair with a tomato right now. It's one that I, I don't tend to talk about it too much, but I think you and I, we can talk about these things. It's, it's, it's consensual. Um, now, tomato ice cream. We've talked about ice cream earlier, and we talked about tomatoes. Now, before we go any further, though, let's hear something to do with 
something unrelated earlier. Not too long ago, I played a song called Cheaper Crude or No More Food. I found this 45 in in Council Bluffs, Iowa, in a, in a funky old record store that made me want to party like it was 1985. And I found this as well. It's another song about gasoline and about modern things and perhaps a little bit of, uh, well, we've been talking about untruths, and I think there's some untruths in here. This is called Gas, I Wish I Had a Friend in Iran. Now, gas isn't an exclamation like, gas, I wish I had a friend in Iran. You try it sometime. If somebody makes you mad, say, gas. Well, let's, let's just listen anyway. Will the highways start looking like railroad tracks? Will the grass start growing through the concrete cracks? Let those big shot oil companies give a damn when there ain't enough cars to make a good traffic jam. Gasoline's a dollar a gallon. I've gone about as far as I can. I pump it myself and check my own oil. Lord, I wish I had a friend in Iran. They say we've got an energy shortage. We've even been driving too fast. But they've discovered plenty for a dollar a throw. We've just run out of 50 cent gas. Will the highways start looking like railroad tracks? Will the grass start growing through the concrete cracks? Bet those big shot oil companies give a damn when there ain't enough cars to make a good traffic jam. I'm sick and tired of hearing their sigh There's a lot more places that I'd still like to go When they finish taking me for a ride Detroit, you'd better wake up and help us If we get more gasoline hikes You'd better gear up and get ready To fill Orders for Chevrolet bikes Will the highways Start looking like railroad tracks Will the grass start growing Through the concrete cracks Bet those big shot oil companies Give a damn When there ain't enough cars To make a good traffic jam Will the highways Start looking like railroad tracks Will the grass start growing Oh, that was good. I'm glad I bought it, and I'm really glad I played it, and I bet you're as happy as I am. That was Dave Kirby and Gas. I wish I had a friend in Iran. Coming up in a few minutes, it's Arwolf and Face the Music. Just a moment, but first, just before I go, just here's some good news. Macosta County Medical Center in Big Rapids, Michigan, has become the first hospital in Michigan to offer Instameds. It's a machine that dispenses prescriptions 24 hours a day. The doctor types in the prescription information on a computer. Then the patient enters his personal ID number at the machine. You pay with cash or a credit card or a debit card, and your pills will be dispensed. 
Mm-hmm. I'm going to check down the uh, vending machine down the hall at uh, WCBN and see if they've got any of those Instameds, because I really could use one now. I've been Mike Perini since at least the time Pandora's Lunchbox started half an hour ago. And here's another song about food just to, to wish you a happy summer. This is, this is called Vegetables. It's by The Old Soul, and it is a Beach Boys tune, and it goes like this. Happy everything. This is WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. name of that band was the old soul is that right yes and that's relatively new rendition of an old saw by the beach boys vegetables it's just after seven o'clock this is wcbn fm ann arbor 88.3 megahertz we're the voice of the underground intellectual resistance movement deep within 
the University of Michigan. We're run by students and infiltrated and 